welcome to the CSF Content Curriculum Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Menifee, and this is week three. And I am your your guest for the week, <laughs> Kate Grounds, and we just want to say, let's hear it for the girls. Okay. <laughs> Makes me want to like eat a cupcake. And, yes, I just want to like around. wear pink and yeah. go see Barbie again. <laughs> Anyways, on a serious note, guys, we are in Galatians, as you already know. Kate, what did we talk about last week? Yeah, last week you started out chapter two, so you're about Mm -hmm. a chapter and a half into this book. Mm -hmm. Great book. Um, And just a little bit of a reminder of what Paul's talked about up to this point, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's obviously writing a letter to the church in Galatia, and you find out pretty quickly he's writing for a specific purpose, Mm -hmm. because this bro wastes like no time. Like, Mm -hmm. he immediately jumps in. He just immediately gives the vibe of, like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Um, And we learn that he has learned that his sweet Galatians, his Christians there, and he helped find and found those churches, um, Mm -hmm. that they are starting to, uh, take on some false teachings. And so in the first kind of chapter and a half, what Paul does is he really quickly kind of gives us his receipts, if you will, to remind Mm -hmm. these people why what he's about to say not only comes from a place of love, but why it holds authority. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he reminds us specifically in the first chapter and a half where his authority comes from, it comes directly from Jesus. Mm -hmm. He reminds us that he has been uniquely tasked to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, And then he reminds us um, that the church leaders approved of his message to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And then my section today is really fun because it's kind of this build-up moment. Again, he comes in swinging. He Mm -hmm. comes in very quickly acknowledging that something's going on here. Someone is targeting the Galatians, teaching them um, a false gospel. And so my passage specifically starts to kind of get into, okay, what's the issue here? Like, Mm -hmm. what's at stake? What's gone wrong? The nitty-gritty, if you will. I love it. As you... uh, were writing the curriculum for this week like what do you feel like stood out the most to you and where could you see conversations going for groups yeah I read through this letter a couple times just to prep Mm -hmm. for this podcast and working on the curriculum and what really stood out to me I was just continually reminded how important it is to really understand the heart of the gospel message if we want to identify false teachers. And so I just have really been wrestling with this question of what unites us as Christians. Like when Mm -hmm. we say we believe in the gospel, and that's true for all different types of denominations, like what do we mean by that? What is the unifying message that pulls us all together across denominational divides? Because you have to really, really know how to answer that question to even be able to identify false teachers. Because sometimes we think something's a false teaching, but it might actually just be a non-essential issue in the church. And so I just kept coming back to, okay, like Paul so clearly in this passage, he knows what the heart of the gospel is. And so he can so quickly tell when it's been twisted. And so that's what I've been processing. Like what is the core of the gospel message? And we have to know that if we want to quickly identify like Paul when Mm -hmm. it starts to go off base. Yeah. I could see what about like people that maybe don't care, like, how do you care about false teachers and pointing them out? Or why should you be careful about that? Like, cause I feel like I, every other day, a new Instagram preacher pops up or someone that's really full of pizzazz mm. and they have really good things to say. So like, what if it sounds good and it makes my life better? And you know, why does it matter? Yeah. I, 
I will say as I've gotten older and studied the Bible a lot more for myself, which I didn't read the Bible a lot growing up. Mm -hmm. That was a foreign concept to me. Mm -hmm. It was definitely just sat on my bookshelf collecting dust. And so as I've gotten older, I've really grown in a conviction that that's something we're all called to do. We're all called to study scripture for ourselves and know the truth. Um, And I almost think at times we oversimplify reading the Bible. It's hard work. Like when I first became a Christian, I started with Genesis and I was like, I can't even pronounce half these names. (laughs) Like public school did not prepare me for this. And so it is so much easier to just look to teachers to tell you how to think about the Bible. And obviously Mm. so many teachers and preachers and pastors and you know, people, big prominent figures in the church are a gift to us and we get to learn from them. But if you only ever learn from the Bible from them mm-hmm. versus actually going and studying the scripture for yourself, it can become really easy to accidentally fall into false teaching because there's just so many opinions about how to interpret the Bible. Uh, different denominations have different essential beliefs. And so, yeah, I'll say like, as I've gotten older, I've really grown a conviction of like, okay, I want to really understand this for myself mm. because I don't want to accidentally put myself in a spot where I'm letting somebody in the church, even a good figure have ultimate say. And I don't even realize that what they're saying might be like a little off base. Yeah. I feel like for me too, I'm like, if I don't know the actual truth of what Christianity is, or Mm -hmm. even what the Bible says, then I could be believing God knows what religion, you know, accidentally. So then it's kind of a scary thought to think that you could be following a religion that's not actually Jesus's religion. And then you get to those scriptures where Jesus has all these people coming up to him and being like, Lord, Lord, like, I can't wait to be in your kingdom or like, can't wait to sit with you in glory. And he's like, I never knew you, (laughs) which that's a whole other topic to talk about. Yeah, but but a good one. (laughs) Yeah, just that's what I think of when I think about false teachers, how easy it is to fall into like you should care yeah. about this because it's very easy yeah. out there and a lot of times it's what's right and then it's like almost right it's like barely yeah. twisted yes and the more we read scripture ourselves and and yeah. process it in healthy community like you guys are with this current letter it yeah. helps you kind of learn um to weigh the truth and kind yeah. of filter it through and say is this true or is this yeah barely off base or completely false yeah and speaking of other voices, other people saying they know the truth. How do you think this applies to campus? Oh yeah, that's a that's a good question. Well, you mean the specific passage or just yeah, this specific passage. Yeah, so this passage is really interesting because I originally chose this passage because the title of it has to do with conflict, and I'm like, mm. oh yeah, I love talking about healthy conflict. Let's mm-hmm. go. But the more I study this passage, I realize it's not necessarily a model for conflict because Mm -hmm. in this specific passage, Paul confronts Peter. He talks about confronting Peter because he realized Peter has started to twist the gospel. He Mm -hmm. has um, kind of abandoned his convictions in the moment to seem cool. He doesn't want to rock the boat. And so it's interesting. So I chose this passage. I thought it was going to be about, oh, here's a good model for healthy confrontation. But the more I studied it, I actually realized that... Peter breaks protocol. He breaks what would have been common in Jewish culture. And he breaks Jesus's command in the sense of Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, how to handle conflict. He tells us to go directly to the person. Mm -hmm. And Paul does not do this in this moment. He directly confronts Peter to his face in front of people. And the reason he does that, the reason it's okay to break protocol in this moment is because he knows that what is at stake is Mm. the core of the gospel. Mm. Um, And so he kind of skips over protocol to have this confrontation with Peter in this moment. Um, And so I'll just say, like, I think 
it's easy to read a passage like this and really easily turn it into just a conversation about, like, oh, how do we have healthy confrontation and how do we model this in our lives? It's not so much about that. It's more about having a conversation around what is the core of the gospel? Mm -hmm. What are our non-essentials? Mm -hmm. What theological hills do we die on? Mm -hmm. Again, Paul knows the gospel so well, he immediately knows Peter's compromising. He immediately mm -hmm. confronts it because he knows this is not just a non-essential mm -hmm. small hill to die on. This is the hill to die on. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, as you process this passage, I think it's, it's good to discuss what are the essentials of our faith? What are the non-essentials? And then you yeah. can have a conversation about confronting within those. But I was surprised yes. the more I studied, I was like, okay, this is not just about confrontation. There's a lot more going on yeah. here. And yeah, I love that, like knowing which battles to fight because mm -hmm. it just seems like there's a battle everywhere you turn on campus, on Facebook, like your grandma is posting who knows what about <laughs> every thought that she has. Like maybe we don't, comment back on yeah. all of those but what would you say are, would be like a practical discernment piece to help people know which hills to die on and which ones not to yeah that's a good question um i think looking at the creeds you have mm. like the nicene creeds and those type of creeds those really are the only universal documents we have that all the big denominations right. agree to so those are really interesting to go back to but i mean like we've talked about already i think really just rereading scripture um and trying to ask yourself what is the core of the gospel like yeah. if a non-christian on campus came up and asked what do you mean when you say mm -hmm. the gospel how would you answer that's gonna kind of help you refine what is the essential message of christianity and then it's really good to know about non-essentials like there's plenty of mm -hmm. issues in the church that i would put in the category of non-essentials that i could yeah. still break bread with those believers but we might disagree about what's philosophically happening during communion or, or something like that so yeah. it's good to familiarize, familiarize yourself with the differences and then just start to think through that question if a non-christian asks you what is the gospel that's going to help you start to kind of refine what the core message of christianity is about and what a great question to ask ourselves like because our call is to go and make disciples on campus yeah. like that's the last one of the last things that jesus tells us to do and if we can't even answer that simple question then how are we expected to fulfill that call yeah so what about if someone answers that question for themselves and they're like i actually don't know what would you what would be your encouragement for them or where to start like if somebody asked i was like oh shoot i don't think i'd be able to answer that question okay and how do they start processing yeah. it read through the four gospels right <laughs> yeah Read through the four Gospels. And again, I think really try to think what is at the heart of all these denominations? Like what makes somebody at a non-denominational megachurch link arms with somebody in a Catholic church? Like what mm. could they sit down and agree on? And there's, mm. there's quite a bit. I think we yeah. tend to overfocus in America because Protestantism has become so fractured. We tend to focus on the differences. But I mean, there's a beauty to that. Like you could sit down a student from each different denomination and like there's going to be a lot they have in common. So read the gospels and then start to think through what are the truths about Christianity that could go across these denominational divides. Mm, and good. last thing I'll say, because I'm very passionate about this. I always think too, it's only the gospel if it works for all people groups. So mm -hmm. sometimes, for example, we end up preaching the prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. We don't mean to. Does that work for somebody who's stuck in cyclical poverty? Mm -hmm. If not, 
It's not the gospel. Right. So I, that's another filter I try to put it through. Is the gospel I'm preaching, does it work just for me and people who look and they can act like me? Mm. Or does it work for all the nations all across the world? Because if it doesn't, mm. it's not the gospel. Yes. Wow. So there's a random pop-off moment. Yeah, that is so good. <laughs> In the podcast right here for all podcasts. That's the thing you Started with know. Barbie, ended with a strong conviction. <laughs> <laughs> Girl music again. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, is there any like other thoughts that you have, takeaways, or like red flags that you could see coming up in these conversations for these leaders? I'd say a good takeaway. I just know when I read passages like this, it's really easy to judge Peter. Because mm. what Peter does at this moment is he caves to peer pressure. He mm. wants to seem cool. He doesn't want to push back. He doesn't want to be in the minority. And so it's really easy to read this and judge him where I think the better choice is to put yourself in his shoes and say, Hey, what do I do when my beliefs put me in the minority? Yeah. Am I able to stand up for truth? If not, why not? Mm. What would I do if in Peter's case, somebody who loved me came to me and helped me realize I was starting to drift away. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I love Peter in the Bible. I think he's really interesting case study. This is not the first time he's He's compromised under pressure. You right. Know? It's really easy to judge Peter. Yeah. But then I think we're like, like him in a lot of ways. And yes, for each sure. Each one of us, even me and you, are going to be put in situations where holding true to our beliefs makes us unpopular. Mm. And it's just a moment of classic peer pressure. And yeah. he caves and and then Paul confronts him. And we know he, he flips back on the right side eventually. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good to put ourselves in his shoes and start to think through, okay, what, what will I do when I'm put in a similar situation? Yes. Peter's actually the person I relate to most in scripture. Mm, me so, too. I'm always, be, I always be putting on his yeah. shoes. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he wants to do the right thing. Then he has these scaredy cat moments. Yes, he like, has oh, all fair. the passion in the world. So much passion. Not a lot of follow up at first, but the <laughs> he finishes strong. <laughs> he finishes so strong. Yeah. Love that. Well, anything else helpful you think will be for groups? Not that I can think of. Hopefully Amazing. it'll be a good week. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Kate. If you guys have any questions ever, remember you can always come to us, ask on away. We're here for you. Love you guys. Bye.